Rolling, bro. Should have saved that coffee portal. We were on the air. Are you going through Brona pause? <laughs> I, I don't like pounding bits into the ground like you do. Wow. You know, one or two times. Oh, and then move okay. on. Welcome back, everybody. And the tone is set and clear. <laughs> You've been milking Happy this garage holidays. logic thing since the late 70s. Happy holidays. No, no not that long. Not that long. It just seems that <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 276. Here we go. December 2nd, 2019. It was 63 degrees was the high in 1982 and 17 below in 1886. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. The streets in St. Paul are doomed. <laughs> the, uh, the stuff froze into lumps, and uh, it will be there till May. There's no way to plow it, really. They and no never, evidence of sand or salt. Your side never, ever gets it right. Nope. All they have to do is get out there, the first big snow event. Uh, they could probably have to have take, take care of it, yep. get it down to pavement, and you're good to go for the rest of the year. And then major thoroughfares are uh, afflicted with what we call the black ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 To the point where it, it was treacherous. A skating rink on Fairview, for example, was yes. just a skating rink. And, and then you turn the corner and hit the washboard streets. You, you go like, on the side streets, yeah. you're just going to prematurely age your automobile. How'd you like to be up in Duluth right now driving around? Well, I think that's, I think my view of these things is if you're going to have it, let's have yeah, it. Well, if you got it, you go through it, enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. My view of a big storm would be two feet would have been fun. This is just a nuisance. Did mm-hmm. you see the guy skiing down the hill in Duluth? No. That, I thought, great. That See, he's making the most Perfect. of it. Skied yeah. all the way down one of those hills. I cool. just noticed before the show started, they have a new way of measuring beer in Wisconsin. They oh, use, they do that, They Chris. use beer cans. What do they got about? A five, six can yeah, snowfall? This was a five can snowfall over really? in Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little late there. That was my fault. That's okay. I, I had to pull down. Where to begin? Where to begin? Such tragic news Oof. yesterday. Uh, a mom, Kirsten Schledetsky, uh, was killed by her uh, estranged husband, and he also killed the two kids, the two boys. Mm. And I, I think the cops did perform some... Some real heroic moves there. Uh, yeah. They're running into the yard to get those kids. You yeah. know? And are, are any of us here prepared to run in? Never mind the fact that you could get shot. Just take that all out of the equation. Are any of us here mentally prepared to pick up a deceased child that's oh, been bleeding God, in the snow? It. I can't think about Can it. Can you imagine what that does to you for the rest of your life? You no. would never, for, every night you went to bed, yep. every time you went to work. Yep. What a shame. What? Uh, uh. Well, there aren't words. Nope, there aren't. I'm not going to even discuss but, it. What's to discuss? But what There's is, evil in the world. 
But I don't care if you're going to call a mental illness or what. There's evil in the world. This was an act of evil. All, all gunplay is an act of evil and the decline of moral and ethical integrity. If there are no words, Rook, what did, uh, what did the mayor of Minneapolis have to say about that? Do you have that quote handy? Uh, I don't have that quote handy, but I can say that he, he said this, uh, this is senseless violence. Our community needs to come together. Uh, we need to uh, get better gun curb gun laws, etc. Well, that's just boilerplate B as in B, S as in S. Well, he doesn't say that every time there's a gang shooting. This has nothing to do with fire. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. <coughs> and this has nothing to do with firearms. This guy would have killed her and those kids with any any means possible. Well, if, you can't have a gun in London, but you can have a big kitchen knife. If uh, yeah. if, if you ask any cop, and I, you know, I, I'm the son of one. The worst call they ever get are, are domestic yep, calls. Yep. And th- this was a woman that was trying to leave a dangerous situation, and sadly, it, it cost her her own and her children's Mayor lives. Mayor Fry has said, gun violence and domestic violence are a scourge on American life. This weekend, Minneapolis felt the painful sting of both. As our community processes this senseless loss of life, policymakers must resolve to do everything possible to curb gun violence and keep our city safe. Well, again, boilerplate nonsense. Yep. And yeah. uh, it means nothing. He's offering platitudes that mean nothing. And not and, and the, the scourge. The scourge of America is not gun violence. The scourge of America is a complete absence and breakdown of faith, morality, ethics, integrity. Like you've been saying. Responsibility. Yeah. His comments didn't even have anything to do with the story. No. Right. The mayor's it, it definitely not the time to say that kind of nonsense. But to the to the cops that ran onto that front lawn and really you could have you're already dealing with a mentally ill crazy man yeah. and the ch- the chance that you are shot going to aid these kids that he just shot uh brass pair and hats off to those cops that yep. risked their life yeah uh many emailers wanted me to be aware of a piece that i that i was aware of and that is uh for today's climate lecture hall number uh, building number one two three uh we're in exhibit hall b for the uh, climate change lecture today, uh, this was easily to be predicted. Alarmists are now proposing that they must rebrand climate change because climate change is not producing the shock value they need. Uh, and I have the piece here. Uh, they want to push uh, for a change in the vocabulary to scare people into taking global warming more seriously, starting with terms like global meltdown and climate collapse. See? <laughs> climate collapse. We need more apocalyptic phrasing. <laughs> if, if, you, if you have to rebrand it, it was rebranded in the 70s when Newsweek had uh, the Blue Planet uh, for... And that didn't scare enough people, so they changed it to red because red is more alarming, apparently. But if you have to tell, you have to rebrand it and come up with a new term, doesn't that mean you really don't have much to work with? Yeah. Nothing's happening. Right. Writing for Ad Age, Aaron Hall argues that in order to get people to take action against climate change, which that's meaningless, <laughs> rebranding is crucial since people have gotten too used to the idea that climate is changing and they need to be shocked into the notion that the world we know it is ending. Well, it's not. So they're, they're facing the fact that the climate, what they're acknowledging is that the average human is awakened to the idea that, well, wait a minute, the climate's always changed. What they want us to believe now is, yeah, but this time it's going to end the world. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Is there a better way to convey the urgency of the situation while also encouraging folks to take action? Could the tools of branding and brand naming create a more resonant, powerful name, Mr. Hall asked. What he and his marketing team came up with was a series of much more frightening labels to stick on climate change in the hope of jolting people into meaningful engagement. 
The terms global meltdown or global melting, for instance, delivers a more negative image than mere global warming. The names signal that ice caps are melting and also create a more visceral image in the mind, the feeling of melting when it's too hot outside. I don't, I don't feel like I've ever... You ever felt like you were melting? No. no. <laughs> a meltdown is a disastrous event that draws from the ultimate terror of a nuclear meltdown, an apt metaphor for global destruction. Climate collapse and climate chaos and still a clear message or even a direct call to action, Hall notes. He's an ad man. He's supposed to dream up this BS. That's what he does for a living. <laughs> to up the rhetoric even more, Hall proposes the weaponized term scorched earth. <laughs> oh, boy. Sometimes a brand name needs to be hyperbolic to truly capture hearts and minds. If we don't take massive action now, earth will be uninhabitable. Let me tell you something. I never imagined, in all seriousness, I never imagined in my life that, that I would be witnessing such mass insanity. I, I never imagined that. Because why? We had fail-safes in place that wouldn't let it get that crazy? Because it's crazy now. But, but the claim is crazy. I, I never thought, I never imagined that I would be dealing with this. I, this is this is tantamount to an admission that it's BS. This is merely a product that they're merely trying to brand in order to bring about the political end that apparently is at the bottom of all this, which is one world global government and uh, the destruction of the United States. Uh -huh. This has nothing to do with what the temperature is. This is an admission that it has nothing to do with it. This is a product they're trying to sell to the public. And they've now turned to an advertising agency. <laughs> we need to hype it up. And it's not without hype because it's mentioned every day, almost every newscast. Well, listen to this. Hall, the ad man, contends that it doesn't matter if what is said is true as long as it elicits the necessary response. Oh, boy. Oh Mother boy. of God. Oh, that's dangerous. Oh, boy. Spokespersons of the movement have acknowledged that their claims that billions of people are going to die from the climate have no basis whatsoever in scientific fact, but are necessary to provoke the kind of response that is needed to cut back on greenhouse gas emissions. So I'm going to tell you that billions of people are going to die. That's not true, but I need you to believe that so I can bring about my product launch here. <laughs> Passed last month on what the basis was for predictions of mass deaths. Uh, Zion lights. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, like Aesop's fable of the boy who cried wolf, climate alarmists may wake up one fine day to find that nobody believes them anymore. Such is the price of lying. Yeah. It's just truly amazing. It, there's two admissions in here. One, one it, it's a product and we're trying to sell it to you. And we're, we've we failed, so therefore we're, we're changing the vocabulary. <laughs> and two, we're, we're going to admit to you that what we're telling you is not true. Ah. But we need to tell you that because we're trying to launch our product. <laughs> we're trying to get you to buy into this. I think we're missing the boat. I think we need to come on board and make some money off this thing. Kenny's right. I'll plant your stupid tree. I'm doing, doing <laughs> cow it, hugging. I'm doing it anyway. Barry Shockle writes, "Hail the flashlight, Kenny. Hail you! It's not just climate change anymore. According to Nancy Pelosi, it is a climate crisis. Well, that's not good enough for the ad people. They want better words than crisis. As you probably have heard, climate change alarmists are pushing for a change in vocabulary to scare people into taking global warming more seriously. Writing for Ad Age, Aaron Hall argues that in order to get people to take action, rebranding is crucial. 
The Democrats thought this is so important that we deal with this crisis that Nancy Pelosi and 13 Democrats had to fly to Spain for a climate summit. Not one of them took the carbon-free boat with Greta. They took an evil carbon-spewing plane, probably in first class. Speaking of hypocrites, you'll find this article validating exactly what you had predicted regarding your girl Greta, when it turns out she produced the same amount of carbon emission because the British yacht skippers took a plane to America to sail Greta to Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, Nikki Henderson flew to the U.S. from Britain to sail Thunberg's 48-foot catamaran uh, so, so Greta could... Uh, be at the uh, climate change summit in Madrid. Which starts today, and have we heard from the little brat yet? No, that little creep. <laughs> I'm sorry, Greta, you've made yourself uh, the news. Greta Thunberg's plan to save carbon emissions backfires over travel on luxury yacht. Uh, Oh, that's a wonderful piece. That was wonderful. Yeah. Thunberg's trip did not reduce carbon emissions. Instead, it produced the same amount that Thunberg hoped to save, perhaps even more. That is because, as the Sunday Times reported, Nikki Henderson, a 26-year-old yacht skipper, flew to the U.S. from Britain to sail Thunberg's ship, La Vagabond, a 48-foot catamaran, uh, on the 3,500-mile journey from the U.S. to Portugal. Okay. The journey was meant to save approximately two uh, to three tons, they don't know how much. But uh, Henderson's flight from Britain to the U.S. likely produced the same amount of emissions from the journey hoped, that the journey hoped to save. Uh, that, that boat, by the way, is all petrochemicals. It's carbon fibers. Right. And, uh, yeah. uh, there's no appreciation for the miracle of, of petroleum. Uh, the, the alarmists have managed to, to get rid of that. Uh, her, her trip was just rife with irony. Uh, the irony of protesting capitalism and oil on board a carbon fire yacht uh, run by royals operating a Monaco tax haven for the rich. Uh, I think she had something, something else in the news now. She is saying that uh, it's not enough uh, to change the climate. Uh, Give me that top piece you just touched. I, I wanted to read these quotes. Yeah. From the U.N. chief, uh, he warns of uh, climate points, uh, point of no return. This is from today's Star Tribune, uh, and it's an AP piece. Uh, this guy says what this is, is still— This is good arrest. Yeah, yeah. What is still lacking is political will. Political will to put a price on carbon. Political will to stop subsidies, uh, subsidies on fossil fuel. Political will to stop building coal power plants from 2020 onward. And here it is. Here's the uh, kicker. Political will to shift taxation from income to carbon, taxing pollution instead of people. This is the nutcase that says we're at the tipping point. Yep. Well, we've been at the tipping point, according to these fruitcakes, for about 30 or 40 years. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, 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 I really can't. I, I've thought about this on the Garage Logic Service Road of Life when I'm walking. I never thought, I never imagined that you would be confronted with such madness, with such unreasonable madness. I, I never thought we would be confronted by a wave of humanity that wants to undo what humanity has achieved. They want to completely erase it. Mm -hmm. In this wonderful life of luxury that we have, it's luxurious. We're not living in caves and counting on fires for our food. Speaking of fires, speaking of fires. There you go. Segway right. guy here. Yeah, I got it right here. You're welcome. 
This is totally unrehearsed, folks. First, first though, I want to tell you that if you're really an alarmist and you're really worried about your carbon footprint, mm -hmm. personally I wouldn't be, but if you are, uh, get out to EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake. There's $100 off all electric bikes right now. That's on top of the year-end prices currently available, so now's the time to buy. Free ATV helmets with all gas youth ATVs. Great Christmas gifts. $100 off all scooters in stock, and that's on top of the year-end sale prices. $50 off all kids' electric balanced dirt bikes. They've never done this before. EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. Uh, smart, economical, fuel-efficient transportation available. The... Uh, the electric assist bicycles are absolutely uh, extraordinary. Also, a full line of uh, Yamaha products. Yeah, I'm sorry, you'd have to use gas for them. But no, wait, those suits, <laughs> Yamaha snowmobiles, all they make are four strokes. They don't make any two strokes. Oh, so so if that's you want, more efficient. Then. If you want to take her uh, out west and yeah. shred up the mountain, yeah. you can do it on a Yamaha snowmobile. They've got all the 2020 Yamaha snowmobiles and uh, side-by-sides and ATVs in stock. It's Grunhofer's. Wait, no, wait, no, it's down wait. the road from Groundhoppers. I'm getting Highway right. 61 confused. It's EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61, just down the road from, or up the road from Grunhoffers. EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. We'll be bad and I'll, back, and I'll tell you about fires. Loving you isn't the right Here's a man that grew up in Matamidi and couldn't find Hugo. Joe Suchere. Thing to do. From Brad via Twitter. You were right about DK Mags. Me and my son both made purchases in the last two days. Great people. And I'm getting those sorts of tweets and emails more and more frequently as GLers venture out of their usual habits, their comfort zone, and give DK Mags a try. And from firearms to guns, smithing, holsters, uh, ammo. Cases, tactical stuff, flashlights, you name it, dkmags.com in New Brighton, is a great option to cross a few items off your list. They are the best gun shop in town, and that's not hyperbole. <laughs> it's fact. Hyperbole? That's just how he wrote it. Just how he wrote Hyperbolic. <laughs> even if you just, you know what, even if you don't have any money in your wallet or your account like me, you just need advice or information, no matter what your skill level is, the fellas at DK Mags in New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun, they will help you out and they'll do it without attitude. As for prices, they're pretty much, they're going to match any price in town. And uh, you heard me mention Monticello. It's called Monticello Pond and Gun, just another part of the DKMags.com family. Get started on that Christmas list. They're located right in the heart of Gumption County, Monticello Pond and Gun and DKMags.com. Before I get to the fires... According to a report by Agents France Press, climate change is becoming such an issue that it's beginning to take a toll on uh, mental conditions. Rhode Island resident Kate Shapira and her husband have opted to abstain from having children because they are so worried about the condition of the earth. Thank you for doing us all a favor. <laughs> Shapira, 40, a senior English lecturer at Brown University, hmm, says the decision stemmed from her responsibility to the world to shrink down to the size of one person. Oh. She also decided that she and her husband will no longer fly because the problem is so much greater than what other people assume it would be. 
The lecturer says that she was even moved to set up a climate anxiety booth in Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> so that people can receive climate anxiety counseling. That's yes. brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's what yep. we need Maybe to do. She's going to make go. some dough. Nope. State fair next year, fellas. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Van Susteren, a Washington psychiatrist, says she is concerned that the uh, uh, climate change is causing mental problems. I actually have no hesitation in saying that on some level, I believe that everyone now has climate anxiety, Susteren says. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't. Alicia Cannon, an environmental lobbyist, says that she personally suffers from climate anxiety. <laughs> I think a lot of people that work in climate feel it's some kind of climate anxiety because it's such a large-scale issue, and it's overwhelming, and you feel it is overwhelming because of helplessness, she says. Never thought I'd witness such madness. I really didn't. <laughs> the report states that a new survey conducted earlier this year by Yale and George Mason universities found that 23% of respondents are very worried about global warming and its impacts on society. At least 60% of respondents reported being somewhat worried. Ah. And I suppose there were some people that said, I, I don't know. I don't have a choice. Don't know. <laughs> Anthony uh, Lesserwitz, who is director of Yale University's program on climate change communication, <laughs> says all Americans are concerned with climate change, not just privileged elites. No, they're not. The common wisdom is that only upper-middle-class, white, well-educated, latte-sipping liberals care about climate change, Lisa Rowitz says. Turns out that's not true. Then he, but he offers no evidence for that not being true. What was the name of the booth she's going to open up, Joe? Climate Anxiety Booth. Uh, they already have one of those, Kenny, at the State Fair. It's called O'Gara's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had climate anxiety this morning, Joe, when I looked out the window and, and thought, oh, it looks cold. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go out there. It was cold. It was 13 degrees. <laughs> Say, when we come back, we're going to hear from our friend in the newsroom, John Height. Hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. You know, I love when people do my uh, work for me. And once again, Jack's Cafe, we had uh, Terry, Lindy Hopper guys on Twitter. Uh, birthday dinner for Cindy. He took Cindy out to Jack's Cafe, asked, requested that the rookie date night VIP menu be brought out to him. And it looks like they had a wonderful time. If you'd like to be Terry and Cindy, just exactly what they did, a nice romantic date at Jack's Cafe, then go to Jack's. Make a reservation. Go to jackscafe.com, J-A-X-C-A-F-E.com. And what's on the Rookie Date Night VIP menu? Well, for 100 bucks, you get a bottle of wine, a four-course meal, dessert is included, and the ambiance is priceless. Take a look at that back patio. Tell them that you make a reservation. You want a nice table where you can see that wonderful decorated back patio. They do a wonderful job. And if you're looking for a someplace to ho- host your office party, whether it's maybe a family party or the office party, you can do it. They can accommodate up to 300 people. The private dining facilities are second to none. Jack's Cafe is a third-generation family-run business. Northeast Minneapolis, 1928 University Avenue Northeast at 19th Avenue. 612-789-7297 for a wonderful time. Go to Jack's, J-A-X, Cafe, Dot com. Here's John Height. 
Thank you, Joe. Should be a fairly quiet and, in fact, maybe even pleasant week weather-wise after the snow and bluster of the past few days. Daytime highs up into the 30s this week. Good, because I'm tired of space management already. And you can't give it up. That's called giving up space. Mm -hmm. Duluth was hit hard. Nearly 22 inches of snow fell in a blizzard that left parts of that city completely impassable, according to officials. Shut down Interstate 35 just south of town during the storm. The 21.7 inches that piled up by noon Sunday made it the ninth largest snowfall over two days on record. People were filmed skiing down The ninth largest, John? Ninth largest. Oh, the ninth largest. Yeah, so it's happened before. It has? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Eight times. Really? Winds gusted up to 50 miles an hour off Lake Superior, wiping out a famous rock formation off the shore of Tedaguchi State Park. Its arch had collapsed back in 2010, and the weekend storm completely washed away the remaining rock formation. I got a rock formation. Is it Gucci or Gooch? I thought it was Tedaguchi. I don't know. Tedaguchi. It could be Tedaguchi. I have no idea. It's just fun saying Tedaguchi. Tedaguchi. Depends on what part of Italy you're from. Okay. The storm also caused flooding in no Canal idea. Park, knocked down branches and power lines until Monday morning. Only Park Point residents were allowed across the aerial lift bridge as the storm's fallout continued to subside. Here in the Twin Cities, the worst leftover, black ice this morning. that caused a National Weather Service to issue a warning. Folks, got to learn how to read the road. Right. Stagger your wheels so you're not in the black ice uh, path. It's really simple. I did. You're uh, welcome. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks, right. That was free of charge. I, I think you're pretty much preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. It is amazing, though. I was out and about Saturday night. How many people drive with their freaking brights on in the metro? Really? On freeways. Shut your brights well, off, well, you morons. Chris, they're drunk off their ass. That's right. true. What? Come on, to be able man. To see. I'm squinting out of one eye. <laughs> I did uh, write a bit of a song because of the snow in Turkey, because that was the whole weekend, snow sure in Turkey. Was. Pretty sure it was. Well, or maybe some other stuff, too, but snow and beer mostly. I'll say. I just made it a blues because you know, I figured it'd be like a Thanksgiving weekend blues. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. It's, I don't need no more turkey. Sure as hell don't need no more snow. I don't need no more turkey. I sure as hell don't need no more snow. I love the holidays, but I hate winter. I got no other place that I can go. I don't need no more turkey. No more turkey. I sure as hell don't want no more snow. No more snow. No more white. Don't need no more turkey. Sure as hell don't need no more snow. What you need, Johnny? What you need? All I did with my weekend is eat and shovel, and now it looks like there's no boat to row. What happened on, to that team? They played oh a better God. team. That's what happened. Oh, but that first touchdown yep. pass, they, I, I, after I saw that, I, I thought, oh, my God, these guys could beat the Vikings. Yeah. And then it just all went to hell. <laughs> I saw your tweet. You Joe, what was excited. the sign you saw? That I, you I erased it. The, I the sign I like was, I don't know what they're right. We've never been this good before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I uh, When I knew they were doomed, right away after they scored that touchdown, Patrick Royce, the worst prognosticator 
in the history of sports right away went on Twitter to say how badly they were going to beat Wisconsin. I went, that's it. That, that's They're screwed. Done. Oh, that's it. They're done. Yep. Is They're that done. one of the Roycey rules, Joe? When he is converted from hating a team to loving a team and then predicts that they'll beat another team, yep. they, that team always loses. Always. Right. Yeah. right. It's got to be a Roycey rule. When yeah. Chris was producing him and I was doing news on the ride with Roycey, whenever he predicted a game, we knew it would go the opposite. Yes. And that's the way it turned yes. out. It was, it was very, very strange. They didn't row the broat. Exactly. No, and they didn't stay with the broat. No. Didn't stay with the broat. That's what Joe tweeted. Right. Got to stay with the broat. <laughs> you guys superstitious at all? Not really. A little bit. It always seems like when I take an interest in a team or a game. Yeah, don't do that anymore. They lose. Yeah. Huh. So okay. I, I turn this game off at, at halftime thinking, they're going to come back and they're going to kick Wisconsin's ass. Right. Turns out that didn't happen. No, and then, so tonight you don't really care about the Vikings at I, all. I, I won't. Nothing. You know, uh, for this community, yep. I'm going to make a sacrifice. Okay. I'm not even going to turn it on. Wisconsin came here ready to cause some damage. Uh, uh-huh. They looked awfully good the second half. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what they did? They figured the U out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, horrible story we talked about earlier from Minneapolis, a man killing his two kids, ex-wife, and then oh. himself Sunday morning. The man, David Shladetsky, shot the two boys, ages 8 and 11, in the front yard of the house, mm. then went inside and killed Kirsten Shladetsky. Uh, Police tried to make contact with someone in the house for several hours before they finally broke through the door. Woman's body removed from the home, and the man was found dead inside, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot. The house is in Shladetsky's name. The couple's divorce had been finalized this past summer. The bishop of the Diocese of Duluth has died. He died suddenly Sunday morning. Was he shoveling snow? Uh, no, he was in. Uh, he wasn't in Duluth. He was in Proctor, close, oh. I guess. According to a statement from the Reverend James Bisonette of the Diocese of Duluth, Bishop John Service suffered cardiac arrest Sunday morning at St. Rose Church in Proctor. Bishop rushed to a hospital in Duluth where life-saving measures were taken. They were not successful. Uh, arrangements for Bishop Serpa's funeral mass and burial will be forthcoming. As the impeachment inquiry moves into a critical week, President Trump and his Republican allies are debating the degree to which the president should take part in the process. On Sunday night, the White House counsel Pat A. Cipollone told the House Judiciary Committee in a five-page letter that the president would not take part in its first impeachment hearing scheduled for Wednesday. The invitation from Chairman Gerald Nadler does not begin to, quote, provide the president with any semblance of a fair process, according to Cipollini. Four constitutional scholars Three chosen by Democrats, one by Republicans, are expected to testify on the standards for impeachment. Lisa Page, the former FBI lawyer whose anti-Trump text messages became ammo for Republicans to allege a coup against the president, has stepped into the public spotlight one week ahead of a highly anticipated Justice Department Inspector General report. In the evening Sunday, the Daily Beast published an interview with Page, and shortly thereafter, she joined Twitter. 39-year-old Page has been publicly silent ever since she left the Bureau in May 2018 amid a political firestorm sparked by the revelation that she exchanged text messages with then-FBI Special Agent Peter Strzok in 2016 and 2017 that were critical of Trump and also had an affair with her colleague. In an interview, Page, who was married, mother of two small children, claims she came forward now because Trump performed a demeaning impression of her. Remember that? That was here in Minneapolis. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh... Simulated. Something. Yeah. Simulated uh, having sex. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, Is that she, here? 
That was here in Minneapolis, oh. yes, when he did when he had his rally. Did here. he do it in a presidential manner? Oh. No. 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 <laughs> no. No. How would that be? No. I'll have what he's having. I'll have what he's that having. Re- that reminds me, remind me to tell you a story today about what happened when uh, my friend at the airport had an incident going through security. Ooh. Ask me during uh, some downtime. Okay. Paige said that uh, impersonation was the straw that broke the camel's back. Get, get to the fun stuff. What fun stuff? Oh, you said you had a Van Halen Doesn't story. get you much more fun one? than that. Yeah. You want that Devastate Van Halen story? Van Halen. Let me, let me pull that up here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was a bit of a stir a few weeks ago. Young singer Billie Eilish said on late night TV she didn't know who Van Halen was. She also used the word like, Joe, how many times? It was 14? Uh, 14 or 13. lose <laughs> count after that. Rockers were outraged. They apparently didn't remember Eddie Van Halen's interview with Chuck Klosterman in Billboard a couple years back. We found out then that Eddie never has and doesn't listen to music. He said, I don't listen to anything. He said he doesn't listen to any music he's not actively making. This was a 2015 interview. He said the last album he had purchased was Peter Gabriel's Soul, which came out in 1986. Wow. So 30 years. He had why, purchased why is that a bad thing? Well, it's not. Oh, okay. I don't think it is at all. Okay. It's surprising. He said he's not familiar with the work of Radiohead, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, he appeared to know only one Ozzy Osbourne song that Randy Rhodes played on. That was Crazy Train, because <laughs> you can't miss Crazy Train. It was everywhere. Yeah, and Randy Rhodes was amazing. He said he scarcely listened to Pantera, even though he spoke at the funeral of the group's guitarist and placed the guitar from Van Halen 2 inside the man's casket. He doesn't listen to the radio, he Wait, says. Wait, what was his name? Um, Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. Yep, Dimebag Daryl. He says he doesn't listen to the radio in his car, much to the annoyance of his wife. He said he prefers the sound of the motor. He sheepishly admits he has never even listened to most of the bands that opened for Van Halen and said, does that make me a bleep hole? Sometimes he listens, he says, to Yo-Yo Ma because he loves the sound of the cello, but he says even that is rare. He said, it's an odd thing, but I've been this way my whole life. I couldn't make a contemporary record if I wanted to because I don't know what contemporary music sounds like. As a high school student, he says he was obsessed with Eric Clapton and mildly interested in Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. He said that's pretty much the extent of his investment as a consumer of rock and roll. What's this got to do with Billie Eilish? Well, Eilish, she was, all the rockers took off after. Oh, she and didn't, you're pointing she, out that Van Halen uh, doesn't yeah, know anybody either. Exactly. Okay. Same exact thing. Yeah, I got you. He can intuitively learn, he says, almost any song he hears and just works on his own music pretty much every day. That was in 2015. So, I got you. Go. Got it? She's going to save the world, this young Eilish girl. Oh, yeah. Because there'll be no straws at her concert. (laughs) And she'll have recycling bins scattered about the venue. (laughs) Here's a feel-good story, Kenny. Is that okay? Yeah. You don't mind those two. Lay it on us, yeah. Galveston, Texas. Almost every day, Adriana Edwards walked over four hours to and from work. They bought her a car. They did. All right. She said, I have bills to pay. <laughs> Next oh, You are just a, how did you know that, Joe? <laughs> Next story. You get about two of these a year, two or three a, a couple year. A couple she <laughs> served at the restaurant Bought her some crap right can the car. Next. Bought Here's her. a Kia with 250,000 yeah. no, on it. It, it, it was actually. <laughs> What's coming up Good on luck, dum-dum. <laughs> What's coming up on the ride? <laughs> and it needs new tires. <laughs> you got to change the alternator. What'd they get for? A 2011 Nissan Sentra. A used car. Yeah. They got her a used car. Well, what's her, Joe? Buy her a new car. Fi- what? <laughs> I'm, All right, I'm Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> buy her a new car. Where's she work? Uh, she works at Denny's, and she was trying to save money to buy a car. How's she going to afford I the guess insurance? if it's Denny's, was, they're not going to be able to have yeah, enough right. money to buy her a new car. <laughs> Is she oh, good cool. on insurance? 
I'm sure she can pay for insurance. Sure. She okay. was walking 14 miles just to get to her job and go back Sheesh. home. So seven no. each way. Uphill, I bet, both ways, both too. Both ways, yeah. I'm guessing. Deep yeah. You know how long yeah. it would take to walk seven miles? Yeah, long t- time. took her five hours uh, total, five hours. So two and a half each no way. No bus, not on a bus route, huh? Man, to work at Denny's. To work at Denny's. God bless her. You, and, and I know in your mind, you're thinking between her house and where Denny's is, there's got to be a, in that five or seven mile radius, there's got to be something better for her. Why doesn't she hitchhike? Yeah, John. Well, I, I, or Uber. Maybe she's, yeah, John. Maybe she's afraid of, you know, bad guys, maybe, you know, Ted like, Bundy's of the maybe world. Maybe there could be an Ace Hardware, like a Fratelloni's, excuse me, a Fratelloni's Ace Hardware in between that and the seven miles that they're walking. John, do you have any more phony baloney feel good stories? That's a for real us? story. It's Cyber Monday, Kenny. Oh. Did you know that? What are you going to buy? Slew of deals earlier than usual over the weekend. $11.6 billion was spent Thanksgiving and Black Friday online. $11.6 billion. Yep. That's a lot. There was a uh, local news outlet that was interviewing people Friday morning outside of the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman, I would guess probably in her 30s, that was there with her mom. And she had snot no. <laughs> frozen oh. to her <laughs> upper lip going, we do the... <laughs> We do this every year. It's like a family thing. <laughs> Time for a new tradition. What are you uh, doing? Time for a new family. Right. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to come back and tell you about fires raging in the Indonesian uh, jungles of Borneo. <laughs> you learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Uh, this is a report from CNN. Dateline, Kalimantan, Indonesia. Deep within the jungles of Indonesian Borneo, illegal fires rage, creating apocalyptic red skies and smoke that has spread as far as Malaysia and Singapore. People are choking, animals are dying. This is no ordinary fire. It was lit for you, meaning Americans. America's getting blamed for this. Farmers are clearing land the fastest way they know how to cash in on growing demand for palm oil, which is used in half of all supermarket products from chocolate to shampoo. They're not only burning down the forest, they're destroying the peatlands that lie beneath it, the world's largest natural terrestrial carbon sink. So we are blamed. America is blamed for this because we buy shampoo and chocolate and uh, Things that is, make our life happy. This is, uh, and the experts say, well, you're create, we're creating a climate bomb because of our, our demand for these products. Uh, and these fires will keep burning until Western consumers say no. This is the fault of the United States. Wow. I feel really, really badly. You feel about guilty? This. This, yeah. This makes me feel awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the farmers uh, that are trying to get ahead who are burning the damn thing. Yeah. Look up palm oil. What's it in, Rook? Uh, well, fires smolder deep underground in thick layers of dead plant matter, peatlands, and can reignite almost as soon as they're extinguished. When they start burning, it feels like a losing battle, said Al Plus Patanen, head of the local emergency operations division. The fires were ignited by humans but can only be put out by nature. What was the town? No, I want to know the product, palm oil. Mm. What do you do with it? Put it in your palms. I think that's different than milfoil. 
Yes. Palm oil is an edible vegetable oil derived from the mesocarp of the oil palms. And you just put it on your... Reavers. Reavers. That was a home run, my friend. Thank you. What it's do you like say different oil. from? What do you say different from milf oil? Milf oil. Yeah, it's a different product. Right. Milf oil. One word. Yes, I'm eleven. Yeah, I, I guess I am. The use of palm oil Good in thinking. food products has attracted the concern of environmental <laughs> activist groups. The high yield oil of the trees has encouraged wider cultivation, leading to the clearing of forests in parts of Indonesia to make space for oil palm. Monoculture. Before I grew palm fruit, I couldn't afford to feed chicken to my children, said Talan, an oil palm farmer from Baru, East Kalimantan. Now I can feed them different foods, including chicken. I can also afford to buy appliances like a TV and a refrigerator. Hmm. So what, what do you root for here? <laughs> Who am I supposed to root for? He has quadrupled his monthly earnings to 400 bucks compared to when he farmed rice or rubber. And you got the chief of the village, Surya Ernie Hangmesher, says palm oil has transformed the entire community. Years ago, many here did not have cars and their children did not go to school because they couldn't afford to pay the fees. uh, But after growing palm trees, they can buy cars, build houses, and put their children in school. Well, who are we rooting for here? I want the kids to go to school in those countries. Uh, Borneo is home to one of the world's oldest rainforests. It's a living, breathing natural history museum filled with 15,000 plants, 420 types of birds, and 220 mammals, many of them unique to Borneo. Uh, They also have pygmy elephants, clouded leopards, sun bears, mouse deer, flying fox bats. What about about that carp that could crawl? What was that carp? That could crawl up the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Butch. Butch. Butch the uh, catfish. Catfish. The catfish. buck-toothed catfish. Jeez, crazy what you got in here. You should see what we got. <laughs> it's all kinds Butch. of stuff. The well, problem, anyway. The that, problem is not isolated to Indonesia. And I love this scene. Were you reading the CNN piece? Yeah. Yeah, the CNN piece. Boy, they're really laying it on here. Well, they like the chance to rip the U.S. It comes back to global companies buying the oil and the choices of consumers. And then one line separated by big spaces. It comes back to you. Yeah. Us. Our (laughs) fault. Yes. Well, what am I supposed to not buy? Should I check my ingredients and not buy anything that has palm oil? I wonder if a jar of shampoo has palm oil as, as one of the ingredients. It's in Oreo cookies, Ritz crackers. Oh, I love Ritz crackers. Yeah. I ain't stopping buying them. My question, I'm not seeing. Oh, Kit Kat bars. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm not seeing if it can be grown elsewhere. Okay. How about this? Is there a substitute for it that would be palatable? Because mm, I I, I'm either. pro. I'm pro not burning down forests in Indonesia. I'm on board. <laughs> But then, then I'm. But then, what I'm doing by uh, declaring that is, I'm denying the Indonesian farmer a chance right. to have a better life. You want to keep the poor poor. I don't. Yeah, I want to keep, keep the poor in, poor. Keep them in their place. Uh, we can find it in pizza dough, packaged bread. In other words, half a supermarket products. Shampoo mm-hmm. and craft beer. Really? Mm-hmm. What in the hell? Well, what? I'm sure wheat. You know. What do you mean wheat? I'm talking palm oil. That's well. That wheat, wheat's packaged bread, <laughs> cookies, all sorts of stuff. Pizza dough. You got to bring that. Uh, who's your uh, brewing guest this week? Oh, I can find out for you. In you one should. Uh, you should explore the use of palm oil in the craft brewing process. I'm not quitting craft beer. I got no, news I, for I, you. I understand. 
But I'm just saying, who do you root for in this one? This is a contumely. Mm-hmm. This is a contumely. I don't know what that means. It's, a, it's an argument. It's a, contumely. It's a dust up. After the meeting in 2009, a number of environmental organizations were critical of the scope of the agreements reached with the roundtable on sustainable palm oil. Palm oil growers who produced CSPO have been critical of the organization because though they have met the standards and assumed the costs associated with certification, the market demand for certified palm oil remains low. So if you have to certify it and you give it the tag, it's a little more costly. So they're like black market palm oil guys that are skirting the year. It's also used, believe it or not, in biodiesel. Yes, uh, you at the back. Well, I'm so glad you asked, Joe. Coming up this Thursday night on the Beer Show, uh, which you can find on Podcast One and ScoreNorth.com, well, the guest will be Summit Brewing. Well, oh, ask him about Mark palm Stubbard. oil. So yeah. I will. I will yeah. ask him about palm oil. Uh, Barry writes, good intentions gone bad, or you could also phrase it, no good deed goes unpunished. Over the past few years, re- reusable plastic shopping bags began showing up in grocery stores in many parts of the world. They are sturdier than the flimsy plastic bags that have become a symbol of the global movement against disposable plastics and so can be used many times, lending to their marketing as the ethical choice for the environmentally conscious shopper. But of course, these thicker bags require more plastic to make. That means they could only improve the overall situation if they led to stores uh, handing out less plastic by volume than they would without them. By, say, replacing thousands of single-use plastic bags a shopper might otherwise use over the years because no matter the style of the plastic bag, it will still contribute to the global problem of forever trash entering the environment and the greenhouse gases associated with manufacturing the bags from fossil fuels in the first place. So far in 2019, the top 10 UK grocery stores reported selling 1.5 billion of these bags, which represents approximately 54 bags for life per household. We have replaced one problem with another. Fiona Nichols, a Greenpeace UK campaigner who is one of the report's authors, told the New York Times. So rather than you give you a single-use plastic bag, they give you a big thick one that you're supposed to use all the time, and that's resulting in more problems. Yeah. So Why not just put a bunch of paper bags in your vehicle? Guess who's waiting for someone else to do all the work? Craig sent me this. This is fantastic. It's a uh, picture of a shoveled sidewalk. But there's one house where the sidewalk's completely not touched. You gotta Ooh. climb over it with a Bernie Sanders sign in the yard. Oh, <laughs> okay. Here I was gonna say it was Lisa Bender's house. No, Bernie. Look <laughs> oh, at Bernie. That's fantastic. And did you know, did you know uh, Dan Kelly, the editor of Bulletin Board Online? Yes. Uh, he sent me a piece that uh, did you know that raccoon was uh, popular as a food in this country? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Uh, uh, in fact, President Calvin Coolidge got a raccoon, give it to him for Thanksgiving back in the 20s, and he, he didn't want to eat it. He didn't have it. I'm trying to um, find out who, and it's it's still it's still popular, evidently. And I'm trying to find out who eats these things because there's a guy up by my parts, you know, and there's there's no value in the fur of raccoon. If you have a prime fur, really big, big animal, it's worth 10 bucks. If you have anything smaller than that, it's worth nothing. Mm-hmm. So there's no value there. But there's a guy up there that throws away the fur and guts these things out like a deer yep. and then processes them. Brings the meat down here and sells it to somebody. Really? And I'm trying to find out who that is because, you know, if there's going to be a market for the meat, I'd get involved there. Do you think it would be any good? 
I, uh, you know, raccoons they, are into bad stuff. I hope. Aren't they? I hope Grunhofer draws the line. <laughs> people, uh, people, they say beaver is really good to eat too. I hope Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, the north end of Hugo on Highway 61, I hope they draw the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got everything. Draw the line. They got everything. Draw the line. But I'm not going to go in there and seek out raccoon right. How about raccoon jerky? For all I know, yeah. Spencer but, would say it's great. You know what? If he decides to start marketing it, I will provide oh, yeah. him with raccoon. I'll settle right now for the pre-made meatloaf that's oven ready. And also the spices and high temp cheese for venison sausage making. Uh it's just not brats and sausage. It's it's steaks, uh, chops, salmon, uh, salmon, pastrami, chicken breast, chicken. It's just a, it's incredible. It's become the GL's uh, favorite meat market to go. It's just an absolutely incredible. It's Grunhofer's old fashioned meats. We're, and we've learned. I've learned. Uh, to not uh, poo-poo any notions of grilling in this weather. We're grilling all through the year. Twenty-four seven. Especially the month. Royal Order, the twenty-firsters. And yes. might be grilling tonight, prior to the Vikings game. Mm-hmm. Got to stop at Grunhofer's. They have one hundred and thirty different flavors of pork brats. Lean. They must be grilled, not boiled. Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats on the north end of Hugo on Highway sixty-one. You can't miss it. Uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey. Uh, listening last week when we discovered those uh, McAllister students who took great umbrage at the very idea of there being Thanksgiving and finding it uh, a capitalistic uh, trick or something, and they hate it. He, he did some research, because I rely on the listeners to do the work that you guys don't do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> we appreciate that. The annual list price to attend McAllister College on a full-time basis for 2018 was $68,627 for all students, regardless of their residency. This fee comprised $54,114 for tuition, $12,156 room and board, and $1,168 for books and supplies, and $230 for other fees. Uh, And then he he researched what income McAllister College grads earn. Oh. After six years, after leaving, they earn thirty four grand a year on average. After seven years, forty thousand nine hundred a year on oh, average. Boy. After eight years, forty thousand eight hundred. After nine years, forty six thousand seven hundred a year. After ten years, fifty four thousand one hundred per year. So, ten years after enrolling, the average income of former McAllister College students who are working and no longer in school is fifty four thousand one hundred. In other words, 10 years after graduating, they are making what they paid in tuition per year 10 years earlier. He provides a source, the U.S. Department of Education College Scorecard and <laughs> Department of Treasury. Wow. I just did some math. I, sh- I can't give too much away. But <laughs> my son that graduated from tech school last spring has now gotten notice that he's put in enough hours <laughs> that he's getting a raise, and he told me how much he was making, and he hasn't been out of school for one year, 55 grand a year. That's more <laughs> than a, that's more than a, the average for a Mac grad after 10, ten years. years. <laughs> Holy Mac! Isn't the floor at some point going to drop out from these outrageous prices that they're charging at these universities? Because at, at some point, people are going to stop sending their kids because well, it's worthless. Think so. It's worthless. It's stupid. It gets them nothing. It gets them nothing. Nothing. You have to, if you're going... I've been you, called Gabe, will you? If, you? if you have a specific, narrow focus, sure. obviously a, a university education would pay off for you. But if you're going like these morons that we saw interviewed at McAllister and they're getting a degree in English, 
you're 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 going nowhere. What are you going to do? Open up an English shop? (laughs) Sell some English? (laughs) Sell me some English. All right, we'll be back shortly. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. So, it's already December 2nd. Does that mean it's too late for the coffeegrounds.com beer advent calendar? No. I'll, I'll answer that for you. H-E double hockey sticks. No. Right. Just the opposite. By the way, the Wild beat the Stars. In a, cool. yeah. In a shootout. Yeah. It still counts. Yeah. Whatever uh, solid, God-fearing GLer needs is the beer advent calendar, even if you're a few days late. You know what that means? Catch-up time. I know you guys love having more than two, three, four, six beers in a day, so <laughs> you, you'll love catching up with this beer advent calendar. <laughs> what am I talking about? Well, you have an obligation. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you got to catch up. Uh, count down every day in December up until the 25th with one unique beer. And if that's too much dedication for you, consider the 12 days of Christmas calendar. Either way, you're going to enjoy seasonal limited releases and even some cellared beers. They're on uh, both calendars, and you'll find all the details at thecoffeegrounds.com. But in my world, everybody knows this. Coffee is way more important than beer, so I want you to uh, check out the vast variety of beans that are available at thecoffeegrounds.com, including our own GL blends. Uh, You'll find, if you find find yourself a 94 going to or fro, pull in. They're in Eau Claire, just a mile, not even a mile north of 94. Uh, They're on Southtown Drive. Stop in, uh, get the full details, pick up your advent calendar and all that beer. They have coffee, beer, liquor, biscuits and gravy, breakfast, lunch, supper, and be sure to say hi to Eric and Julie for us. Thecoffeegrounds.com. Here's Johnny Height. Thank you, Joe. The Minnesota Department of Human Services has been, quote, Soft around the edges for 10 to 20 years, the the agency's recently installed commissioner told legislators Monday morning. Lax controls have resulted in more than $100 million in payment errors revealed this year. Human Services Commissioner Jody Harpstead acknowledged, but she maintained the agency was not in, quote, freefall or chaos. As part of her improvement plan presented 90 days after she took charge of the $18.5 billion social service and health care agency, Harpstead will form an outside advisory council. Oh, who's going to pay for that, John? That will include Bill George, the renowned former Medtronic CEO, who was once Harpstead's boss. Harpstead's testimony before a Minnesota House Health Committee was the most detailed to date about how the incoming commissioner would address embarrassing gaps in oversight that have roiled the agency since the summer and led to about $80 million in improper payments for substance abuse disorder treatment. The agency now faces the politically unpopular task of clawing back excess payments to counties and two Native American bands while trying to restore confidence in its management practices. Has there been any news about that, of getting paid back? How these, how, like the Native Americans, how are they going to pay them back? Yeah, I'm not sure. What the, Do you the, think that's unreasonable, Such, to ask to be paid back? Hell no. I want my money. Oh. I want my money. Just think about that, G. Others, as you're filling out your taxes for uh, the year 2020. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is criminal. This is absolutely criminal. All right. There you go. A, a student is in custody after exchanging gunfire with a school resource officer Monday morning at a suburban Milwaukee high school. Police in Waukesha tweeted about 11 a.m. that officers were responding to a critical incident 
at Waukesha South High School. Uh, Terry Schuster. Is it Waukesha? Waukesha. Waukesha. That's yeah. always my favorite. Not uh, Waukesha. Yeah, no, you called it Waukesha. Waukesha. That, that made me laugh. The, yeah. the price tag for the Native Americans that DHS overpaid the tribes $25.3 million mm-hmm. oh, boy. for substance abuse treatment. Which they probably used for substance <sighs> abuse treatment. Yeah, I think uh, I think our Native uh, people have been through enough, and maybe we just I forgive ag- that one. I agree. I'm, I'm sorry if that uh, if that's my money I'm sorry if that goes in the face of everything GL stands for. I, I want my money. I agree with Rook. I, I want my money. Let them have it. Yeah. Terry Schuster, the public relations director for the Waukesha School District, say, sh- said she hasn't heard of any injuries, didn't know the condition of the school resource officer or the suspect who is in custody. She said the school will issue a statement later. The local newspaper reported a male was put into an ambulance. Authorities have not released any information about who was taken to the hospital. Students who streamed out of the school about 11.15 said there was an announcement about a drill and they began to take cover under desks and teachers barricaded doors. They told reporters outside the school they knew it wasn't a drill when they heard two or three gunshots. San Sebastian, Spain. No, that's one town. San Sebastian, Spain. Did you think the town's very, name includes Spain? Very, right. Yeah, I was thinking we had two different areas. There's like two hyphens in it. <laughs> Do you know how many years I've been doing this? <laughs> I have nothing against my Native American brothers and sisters. I, I, want, I want my money back. I want my money back. San Sebastian, Spain. Well, you're not going to get a check. You no, I know I won't. Yeah. Buenos Aires, Argentina. No, Buenos Aires isn't in Argentina. John, oh, what boy. in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, what anyway, is the problem you have? Anyway, anyway. You have a stroke? And Minneapolis. <laughs> I know where that is. That's in Minnesota. Yep. Buenos Aires. That's Argentina. Is it? All right. Well, good. Then it's San Sebastian, Spain, <laughs> Buenos Aires, Argentina, <laughs> and Minneapolis, Minnesota. There you go. Where, where are you calling in from? Is this, uh, is this the uh, old uh, Johnny Carson thing? <laughs> now he's got to come up with the question? <laughs> yeah. Could be amazing. Karnak. Karnak. Yeah. <laughs> What are three? Yeah. These are among the best food cities in the world. Oh, BS. According to top culinary talent from around the globe. Am I on the air? Yes, yes, you are. (laughs) Bloomberg chief food critic Richard Vine surveyed some of the best international chefs to find out where in the world they would like to eat beyond typically renowned food cities like Paris, New York, and Tokyo. Daniel Boulud, whose restaurant Daniel is considered one of New York City's finest restaurants, chose Minneapolis. Thanks to chefs like Ann Kim, Jamie Malone, and John Krause. Oh, yeah. Here's what he wrote. New York-based Daniel Balud of Daniel is a fan of Minneapolis. It's always been one of the top cities, but now you are seeing the rise of a whole generation of chefs going back home from New York, from Chicago, from L.A., and Europe. They're opening up very cool places. People like Ann Kim at Young Joni and Jamie Malone at Grand Cafe. And then you have John Krause, a very, very talented pastry chef. A good city for food is a city with good companies spending on entertaining. Boulette also cited Gavin Kaysen of Spoon and Stable as particularly influential. I have a news item for Such here. This yeah. comes from the National Weather Service. It was uh, um, tweeted yesterday, Joe. While astronomical winter doesn't commence until the solstice on December 21st, meteorod- meteorological <laughs> winter started today. Yep. And last through February 28th. All right. Wouldn't you like that version better? Of what? Than what? Than this whole 21st-er thing? Well, but Joe only has 19 days left. No, because on the 21st, as a royal a member of the royal order of the 21sters, I start spring. Yeah, it's a spring. 
Because the days get longer. Yep. But that's when winter starts. Not for you normal people. You're right. But no, when you're as delusional as the Royal Order of the 21sters are, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's spring. And I just want you to give one more shot at it. Meteor, what is it? Oh, let me try. Meteorological. No, meteorological. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I got you said the number of amateur ophthalmologists. Sometimes we use big words and they're hard to say. Yeah, they're hard. Chicago. Speaking of the Royal Order, Joe, I'm sorry. Yeah. I saw a cool new T-shirt in that regard. The, the Royal Order of the It's going to be available in the Garage Logic online store. And we should have news about that this week. You are finally, GL, is going to be able to get some stuff. Do you yeah. cheap state, uh, skates have my coffee cup? Uh... That's going to be available online. We're going to have some stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says she has fired Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson due to what she calls his ethical lapses. I thought he, she can't fire me, quit. Well, yeah. he was going to quit at the end of the year. Oh. But so... I wonder, do you think this affects his pension? And probably. I have no idea. No, he's a member of the public class. I'm sure yeah. it's all been taken care of. She said her decision was based on a review of an inspector general's report on its investigation into a recent incident in which he was found asleep behind the wheel of his SUV and his acknowledgement to the mayor that he'd had a couple of drinks with dinner that night. Johnson announced in November that he would retire at the end of the year after more than 30 years with the department. Following a procession complete with marching bands and hundreds of faithful and curious onlookers, an early Christian relic finished up its journey from the Vatican to Bethlehem on Saturday, just in time for the start of Advent. The relic, a wood fragment measuring just a few inches in length, is recognized by the Catholic Church as a piece of the manger in which the baby Jesus was laid shortly after his birth, according to the biblical narrative. Huh. Brother Francis. Uh, we don't know that. Well, why? We do. No. No. no it, it, it was, was a, proclaimed. A, a manger it was proclaimed. Thing. They didn't hang on to that manger. They kept it around. Come it was on. in the back room. You can't get them in. You can't get them see the manger of the Lord. <laughs> Normally, I'm a naysayer, but I think this is the real deal. When I bought the farm in 2005, the first thing I did was go out and grab a manger out of the pasture and put it into the shed. So it's been undercover ever since I had it. I just wanted to preserve it. A manger. Okay, a manger. Uh, a manger. You're not claiming to have the manger, manger, manger. No, calves ate out of it. It's covered with poop. Oh, yeah. it's gross. Yeah. It really yeah. scared me when you said you bought the farm. I was yep. worried there for a minute. 2005. Brother Francisco Patton said it's a great joy. He's the custodian of the Franciscan Order in the Holy Land. You up there on Maine, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> the relic was first displayed in Jerusalem Friday before being transported to Bethlehem. The fragment arrived encased in an ornate silver frame or reliquary, which will be displayed in the Church of St. Catherine next to the Church of the Nativity. Prior to its journey back to the Middle East, the relic was carved from the larger manger piece housed in Santa Maria Maggiore Church in Rome. The manger has been under the Vatican's care since the early 600s. I got a question. Are you fading? Yeah. Are you fading on me here? No, I got a, I have a cleat from a 1938 Johnson Boatworks sailboat. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it, I can't. I don't think it's going to last. I mean, it, you can see that it's starting to disappear. Well, how does this? How has this been preserved? Well, they probably put it in. I don't know. They put tight, it. Uh, they put it in a ziploc and put it in a paper <laughs> bag. Ziploc, yeah. Put well, it not up a thousand in, years ago. Put it up in the attic at the Vatican, and there it sat. All right. What's Wait. a cleat? A yeah. Cleat. Wrap a rope around it. Uh, I have a saint oh. here. 
the universal sign for wrapping a yeah. rope. Yeah. I Why made not? one of those out of out of a two by four. Why uh, are you saving it? I made one of those out of no, I, as it has meaning for me. Such out of a two by six, I made one of those for the pontoon this yeah. last wow. fall. I bet that's really handsome. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Is that baby coming along pretty well? Is I she had, looking good. Spiff I had no idea it was called a, a cleat. I just cleat. called it a rope wrapping giz- no, deal. Those are called oh, cleats. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. Cleet Boyer, he was the third baseman for the Yankees. And yours is made of wood? You know what a cleat is? Yeah, and yours is made of wood? That would be cool. I have a pair of uh, gray and blue ones that I wear every summer. Do you? Mm -hmm. I'm still going back to Cleet Boyer. That's a town ball. Cleet Boyer was uh, third base New York. Yankees, yeah. Ken's brother. Ken was third baseman in St. Louis. That's very interesting. I have to get the extra added uh, padding on here for the rubber. Um, Otherwise, you uh, wear them out there. Back to the manger story. Only I want to go back because there's a saint here I've never heard of. Uh, it's been under the Vatican's care since the early 600s when St. Sophronius, then the head of the early Christian church in Jerusalem, gifted it to Pope Theodore I during a turbulent period in the region's history. St. what was his name? Sophronius. I heard S-O-P-H? S-O-P-H-R-O-N-I-U-S. I heard of one the other day that I hadn't heard of because I still get uh, the, all these people looking for my mother to give them money. Sure. But she's been dead for three years. Huh. Uh, St. Peregrine. And I immediately thought must be the patron saint of falconers. Falcons. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. It has something to do with being the patron patron saint of cancer victims. Really, Saint Peregrine. I've never heard of that one. You guys no. have a patron saint for everything. Pretty much everything. Yeah, you can find huh. them. You, you can, you can get them. You can get them. Are they yeah. paying gigs? No, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Before oh, I'm sorry, I, yeah. no, I'm just so trying to see is. if they were saying what he was the saint of, the patron saint of, huh. and it's not. Maybe he, me. maybe he didn't get a gig. He, he was not the patron. Maybe it's still up for, uh, for just, grabs. Are they paying gigs? He didn't get the, the order yet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, on your, uh, you're back to your cleats? Yeah. Do they help out in... Um, What's the most important thing to know for going on a boat? Bro- <laughs> they're on a boat. The most important thing is, is safety. <laughs> nope. The nope. most important no thing is uh, stay in the boat. Right. Isn't this something you should have, you should give it to uh, Tom Jewell and have him recreate a whole bunch of them? Why? There, there's nothing extraordinary about it. It's a handmade mahogany cleat. Okay. All right, then. Fine. A weird story from me. Take that cleat and shove it right up. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I still have the two brass screws, the original brass screws that held it to the deck. Well, for God's sakes, attach it to the wall or the bench or something where you can look at it. I got it where you can see it. Okay. It's in the museum. You can find it? It's in the Sushenheim. Hmm. The Sushenheim. You got any, post- <laughs> any, any post-it notes on it? Or? Yeah, there's quite a few post-it notes. Oil it, oil her up. <laughs> it's Sunday, got to oil her up. With some palm oil. <laughs> Male. A 65-year-old Maine man fatally shot after he triggered a booby trap he had set in his own house, according to authorities. Police Department Van Buren, Maine, got a phone call Thanksgiving evening from the man, 65-year-old Ronald Sear, saying he had been shot. An officer, an ambulance, and the U.S. Border Patrol responded, provided Mr. Sear with emergency medical help, but he died as a result of the injuries. Police Department said officers discovered the front door of the residence had been outfitted with a device designed to fire a handgun if anyone tries to enter the door. The authorities discovered other unknown devices in Mr. Sears' two-story home in Van Buren, a town of about 2,200 people. That's about 300 miles north of Portland, Maine, and borders Canada. The newly discovered devices prompted investigators to ask the Maine State Police and Maine Bomb Squad for help. After the investigation that lasted into early Friday, the authorities determined 
And Mr. Sear had been shot by an unintentional discharge of one of his own homemade devices. Uh, further information about the fellow was unavailable in efforts to reach his relatives unsuccessful by the New York Times. A sad day in the town of Van Buren, one person wrote on Facebook saying Ron Sear was a good man. That's about as illegal as it gets. You, that's a, I think it's a felony to set up those kind of booby traps. We had a case like this in Wisconsin a few years ago, and uh, things also went wrong for the guy that made it. Well, thankfully, they didn't shoot a neighbor kid or something. My yeah. God, what a psycho. Yeah. From the uh, What the Hell file, Amazon has caused some outrage by selling Christmas decorations and novelty bottle openers with a picture of Auschwitz on them. I couldn't understand this story. I couldn't either. Where's the uh, Where's the editor? Where's the uh, chain of command that would have said, hey, we're not going to sell this? Right. Products on offer include star and bell-shaped Christmas tree baubles featuring photos of the gateway and the interior of the Nazi death camp in occupied Poland. Do you what guys the re- hell? Do you guys remember the great quote from Mark Cuban about the NFL? No. Several years ago, how he said basically the NFL is going to eat itself alive, and I think he's right. Yeah, the same thing is going to happen to Amazon. Maybe. Well, you know how Amazon works. Any slob like us, we can sell stuff right. on Amazon. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, is this one of those cases where it's an independent uh, seller? Amazon doesn't say, but they took it off immediately as soon as they started getting the complaints. I'm guessing so. this was an independent seller yeah. thing. Amazon confirmed it had removed all the products from sale they had received. They said multiple complaints about the items. But if that's true, you think the story would have something about who was selling them, and it sure. doesn't. Right. So, okay. so it works kind of like eBay? If, yeah, if Amazon it, could have backed out of this by uh, throwing someone else under the bus, they would have. You'd think yes, they would yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, Chris. It's typically the people that make a living selling on eBay also sell on Amazon. Gotcha. And they'll go out. And actually, uh, Friday was a big, big day for them because they go out and buy things in bulk expensive things in bulk, TVs, whatever. And then sell them. And then turn around mm-hmm. and sell them on, uh, Am- on Amazon. Yeah. The uh, bottle opener that they were selling, uh, not only did it show the camp, uh, it also just said the former Jewish district in Krakow. So it didn't mention Auschwitz. It just uh, acted like it was a... That's very odd. That strikes me as very beyond, odd. Beyond, beyond odd. Thank you, Johnny. Uh-huh. We'll be back. <clears throat> we'll be back as soon as I get back to him. Ah, there we go. The end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Dictionary.com has come out with its word of the year. Oh, I saw this. The word is existential, which is essentially a meaningless word. It just means of or relating to existence. But you can all imagine why this word was chosen. Uh-huh. Because we live in existential times, apparently, because the world's going to end due to climate change or hurricanes. So, existential. But it's a meaningless word. Okay. To me, it's a meaningless word. There's no, there's really... So we're not going to grant it foghorn status. We're just going to let it go. It's it's irrelevant. Climate emergency was Oxford Dictionary's uh, pick, climate emergency. Uh, and then others picked uh, existential uh, because uh, 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 Democratic presidential contender Bernie Sanders and climate activist Greta Thunberg characterized climate change as an existential crisis. Uh, no, it's it's not. It's essentially uh, means nothing. Uh, by that logic, you could apply the word existential to uh, a, a snowstorm. Uh, anything that anything that where you think existence is threatened is an existential crisis. I don't happen to think that GL 
GL is not an existential crisis. <laughs> the word dates to 1685, deriving from the late Latin's existentialis. Uh, dictionary.com defines ex- ex- existential as of or relating to existence and of relating to a characteristic of philosophical existentialism concerned with the nature of human existence as determined by individuals' freely made choices. It's a word uh, used by uh, elite snobs uh, like Bernie Sanders and Greta Thunberg. Meteorological. Yeah, it doesn't mean a damn thing. It just means... Was that right? just means life, and it's just B as in B, S as in S. Speaking of uh, the little brat, if uh, GLers, if you want a good laugh, you have to look up Jeremy Clarkson's uh, latest column. Well, who does he write for, Such? I think it's one of the tabloids. It's yeah. either the Daily Mail or uh, yeah, the... Yeah, I think it's the Daily Mail. Uh, and he has some fun with her, and it is hilarious. <laughs> Say, what's your problem with security lines? Uh, not a problem with security lines. I've got a report from my uh, friend that works at the airport this morning. Security lines were rather long, and this uh, gentleman was pushing through a... She might have been in her early 60s, a female that was traveling alone... And she was traveling uh, to from Las Vegas to go home to Denver. I'm not sure where she was going. Huh? And she was route. stopped at security, and her bag was chosen. Uh-oh. And the guy that was pushing the wheelchair didn't have any idea as to what was going on, uh, why she was pulled off the line. And uh, he knows this other TSA agent named Evan. And uh, he said, "I said, or he said to the guy, Ev, what's going on?" And he looked at me and he mouthed you? this word. And, I didn't um, see what he said. Dildo. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you and um, so I realized at that point, <laughs> Grandma, why did the security guy stop you? And this lady says Was to this the, lady in a wheelchair. Yes. Uh-huh. And she turned to the airport passenger assistant and said, "My husband bought one for me in Vegas. He's still there." And I, uh, my friend that works at the airport was completely shocked as well, was to, it, well, uh, can you not have one? Well, you can't. Well, but you can't. It, it, I don't want one. <laughs> so, uh, it, well, it, was it a dual it, stage? It, I mean, was it a big the, one? It set off the alarm, so he had it to set actually off physically go check it. The, the TSA it, agent. It, was it battery operated? I would assume so. I didn't lay eyes on it. Was I was it looking so away. big that it came with wheels? Was there a wheel kit with it? Um, I did. Could s- you launch it? He did see industrial strength on it, so it okay, was. So uh, it was a two-hander. Well, and, I bet uh, she was embarrassed. Oh not really. Not really. Not really. She was. Uh, she was okay with it. And yeah. oh. Oh. I'm telling everybody. She was telling everybody. Well, you know, good luck with your husband, huh? Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Eight D cells not included. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the music. Okay. So I wonder what kind of problem she had, though, that required her to be in a wheelchair. Well, I think I. I think she was kind of weak in the knees, wasn't she? Bullegged <laughs> or something like that. I'm not hey, sure. Hey, you know what? A, a new aisle just day. opened up at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Here we stores. go. Let's go. I was the there battery over, aisle. I was there over the weekend. Yes? They oh. sell some Christmas trees. Oh, I bet. It smells fantastic. This I heard is the we had, season. We had a shortage. I saw the news report earlier. We've got a shortage We're of Christmas fine. trees. You can get them. Christmas right. lights. They're out there. Yeah, go to Fred. You got a strand that doesn't work? You go get the Christmas lights at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware. Uh, I'll tell you what, you go to garagelogic.com, and if you missed something over the Thanksgiving weekend, all of those podcasts are right there. Also, uh, Greg Holcomb's great uh, cartoon creations, What's on Joe's Bookshelf under Author's Corner, 
and so much, much more. Check it out at garagelogic.com podcast version.